DJ and PK brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. All right, tickets every hour on the half hour, all day long. The Jazz and the Toronto Raptors. Game tips off at 7 o'clock tonight. Raptors have lost 5 of 6. They lost to Detroit. Oof. They lost to Detroit, and then <laughs> that's how they sent themselves out on this Western road trip with a loss to Portland. All right, if you want to win the tickets, be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Caller 12 right now wins tickets to see the Jazz and Raptors tonight. If you don't win now, you'll have another chance at 1030 and 1130 with Jake and Ben, and we will have tickets all day long right here on the Zone Sports Network. Coming up, we're going to talk with Antoine Staley, Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Eugene Register Guard, the Utes three-point favorites over Oregon Saturday night, one of uh, three big games in college football. It's amazing how it worked out, PK, because it's all a TV show. 10 a.m., nationally ranked Ohio State and nationally ranked Michigan State. That's a top-10 showdown. And that game kicks off the day at, uh, at 10 a.m., and then after that, head straight into yeah. uh, at 1.30, Alabama, ranked number two, playing number 21, Arkansas. That's at 1.30 on CBS. And then the third game, managing ranked teams, is on ABC, and that is the Utes and the Ducks at 5.30. So if you're looking for big-time college football games, I'd suggest those three. It's all set up for you. Okay. Buckeyes. You got the Buckeyes over the Spartans. Because it's Ohio State, because it's always Ohio State until probably yeah. I think Ohio State, I think Ohio State's hit hits groove offensively. And Frost, uh, uh, what did he say? Or no, it was uh, Brom for Purdue last week. We were lucky to hold him to fifty nine. <laughs> Eight touchdowns and eleven possessions. One punt, one field goal, one kneel down, run yeah. out the clock. This thing's over. <laughs> we were lucky to right. hold him to fifty nine. So they've they've got it going on right now. Yeah, for sure. The defense they isn't great, but they'll outscore the you right now. Yeah, defense isn't great, but they can outscore you. Time to bring in Antoine Staley, Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Eugene Register Guard. Antoine, good morning. Hey, how you doing? We're doing all right. How are the Oregon Ducks doing? Are they peaking for the game against the Utes, or is it uh, too early for that kind of thing? I mean, I think defensively, I think they're playing as well as they have all year. I think they're stopping the run really well. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau has definitely been a menace recently, and I think everybody would argue, you know, one of the best players, if not the best player, defensive player in college football. And I think offensively, I mean, it's kind of just very similar to Utah. They like to run the ball. They like to uh, rely on the ground game, the offensive line, and they throw the ball whenever they have to, too, relying on the quarterback, Anthony Brown. So, yeah, these games, these teams are very similar in that way, and I think it's going to make for a really fun game on Saturday. So when uh, Riddell went down, he's a great running back. We've seen him. The Utes have had nightmares of him as a freshman a couple years back in a Pac-12 title game. So he goes down, and I figured Dye would be able to step up, and he has. But I was wondering who would be that second back. 
and I look at uh, Cardwell, and it looks like averaging almost eight yards a carry. He's been that guy to basically take over for Dye's role as Dye takes over for Verdell's role. So can you say, even though C.J. Verdell is really good, that they haven't missed that much of a beat in the run game? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, like you said, Dye has really been – they're kind of they're a bit of an MVP for this team. Not only just uh, running out of the backfield, but also catching passes too, as well. So, yeah, he's been instrumental. I think he uh, been just driving that force offensively. And yeah, you talked about Byron Caldwell and uh, just the freshman has really come on as a late too. Uh, especially in the last couple of games, getting about averaging about 300 yards during that span, and uh, just being a second option for him too, as well. And they, they're deep; they're so deep at running back. They seven McGee is definitely. There another option there for two for Oregon. So yeah, they. I mean, Verdell losing him was definitely a big blow, but yeah, it wasn't necessarily uh, critical for them because they're still able to run the ball and do what they're doing. I mean, anytime you can average 300 yards uh, per game the last two weeks, I, I mean, I think you're definitely doing something right in that regard. So, assuming the Utes sell out to stop the run, run blitz as often as necessary, whatever it takes, don't let Oregon run over Utah the way Oregon State did, how much faith do you have in Anthony Brown's ability to throw the ball and beat these blitzes and beat the Utes with a passing game? Well, I think um, they're going to – I think he can do it. Just I don't think they want him throwing the ball like – obviously like 30 times a game that's just not what Oregon likes to do nor I don't think that's what Utah likes to do either but yeah I think they do they want to establish the two I think they're going to at some point but you just can't obviously you give up 300 yards rushing uh to any team you're, you're not going to be successful for the most part and I think that's kind of what Utah is looking to do is try to just limit the running game as much as possible because Oregon's going to run the ball no matter what it's just a matter of one just not letting them get a lot of yards on first and second down and two just you know been able to you know contain it enough where they have to force Anthony Brown to beat him like on third third and long and third and medium situations yeah he's shown times where he's been able to he's thrown interceptions or last week it was definitely the fumble it, well could have been the fumble in the end zone I don't necessarily know what happened we had some bad camera angles but yeah he's shown times where he's turned over the ball but yeah, he's also shown times where he's able to be able to overcome some of his mistakes and make some big plays, too. So it's just kind of what you have to take for Anthony Brown. You have to take some good and the bad as well. But, yeah, he's definitely stepped up when he needed them to at times. In light of Utah going to Stanford a couple of weeks back and beating them by 45 points in a game that was zero competitive from start to finish, obviously, how did Stanford find a way to beat Oregon? I recognize that there were some guys who didn't play against Utah that uh, played against Stanford, or excuse, excuse me, played against Oregon. But still, folks over here in the mountains are wondering how they lost to Stanford. Well, I think Joe Moorhead being out um, as the offensive coordinator that day really hurt them, kind of hindered them. And uh, I think that was – you just saw that at the play call. And I think, too, also obviously uh, defensively, really, uh, Oregon just couldn't get Stanford off the field, whether it be running or they were able to pass the ball down the field effectively, especially in, the, uh, in regulation. Um, tying that game up and forcing overtime. And Kayvon Thibodeau also getting ejected for uh, 
you know, a questionable targeting call, too, as well. That certainly didn't help things. But, yeah, I mean, Stafford, you know, they did whatever they had to do as far as throwing the football, especially in the overtime period, and that's how they were able to do it. Uh, Oregon is one of the best rushing defensive teams in the country. Obviously, Utah likes to run the football. So I think whoever's going to be able to pass the ball, you know, more effectively and avoid those mistakes, whether it be Utah or Oregon, is definitely going to have a better chance to win this game because, yeah, I think both of these teams are, like, really going to sell out the run, and uh, that's kind of going to open up some possible lanes passing the ball for both of the quarterbacks. So, But, yeah, to answer your question, it's really just they Stanford were able to pass the ball effectively, and I think that's something that Utah is going to have to be able to do if they're going to come out with the well with the win here. I know they're favorites, so I can't really call it a, a much of an upset, too. So you mentioned the defense for Oregon, and they've held a lot of their better opponents have scored twenty something points. The only team to get the thirty was UCLA, and they did get one touchdown off of a, a turnover in a short field. Uh, they only had to go twenty yards. I'm curious, how did UCLA become the, the the one team that could put 31 points on the board against Oregon? And is there any roadmap there for the Utes to do the same kind of thing? Well, they get off to a great start. Uh, UCLA got up to a 14 nothing lead and just kind of punched uh, Oregon in the mouth. And, you know, in that game in particular, they – they, um, Oregon was able to settle down and uh, get some things going offensively in the second half and be able to overcome that slow start. So, yeah, I think um, the, Oregon has got off to some slow starts in games before um, this season. I mean, last week against Washington State, they got off to a really good start. They were fourteen nothing, and then the Cougars ended up coming back and tying the game and, um, at halftime. But yeah, I think that's really the key for any team if you're going to um, defeat Oregon. It's really hindered them to getting off to a fast start too, um, and also getting off to a quick start on your own on the offensive end too, and be able to get things going. And but this team has been resilient. I mean, they've been in pretty much just about every situation possible but yeah they for the most part they've been able to overcome that situation outside of the Stafford game so I don't think it, them being down early is really gonna you know affect them uh, too much mentally especially on the road uh, as you saw in the UCLA game too as well Thibodeau man because he is so good <laughs> yeah uh, the best like I said I think you know probably the number one pick in the draft or at least going to be in the top three. Uh, I, I know the Detroit Lions are probably going to be looking for a quarterback, so I don't know if he'll be number one per se, but yeah, he'll definitely be um, in that conversation as far as top picks in the, NFL, in the 2022 NFL draft. So, if the Utes uh, double him and make sure he doesn't do anything, who is next most likely to make a big play defensively for Oregon? Well, I mean, yeah, you, you, I'm sure people there recognize uh, the Sewell name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Noel Sewell, uh, definitely, you know, he's been just as good this year uh, defensively for Oregon, especially when Chippendo has been out. Uh, he was out earlier this year with angle injury and didn't play against Ohio State or Stony Brook and really was on the pitch count against Arizona. But Noel Sewell is definitely a guy you have to watch for. Vernon uh, uh, McKinney, uh, they called him the general. Uh, he's definitely he leads he's tied for the uh, nation league and in interceptions with five, but yeah, it really starts with those guys too. Uh, those guys like, get one of the best linebackers in the country in Sewell and uh, McKinney is definitely going to be up for a Jim Thorpe Award winner uh, award this year. So yeah, those two guys I think 
or, or Utah's going to have to keep an eye on too as well outside of uh, trying to slow down the the engine that is that and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Whittingham talks about at length getting off the field defensively, and he loves to look at one of the stats he looks at is third down conversion rate. And you look at the Ducks, I think they're fifth nationally from the offensive standpoint, uh, com- uh, converting to first downs more than half of their third down conversions. And then in the last four games, I think they're up to like 66%. Has it been a matter of just a bunch of third and shorts, or they hit on something there? Yeah, I mean, what it boils down to is like it goes back to them running the football effectively. So if they're able to run for four or five yards per carry on or first and second down, they get in these third and short situations. And uh, anytime you can get in that situation, it's definitely going to benefit the offense too as well, especially one that, you know, that has trouble at times throwing the football, uh, like Oregon has had it um, at times with Anthony Brown. So, yeah, I mean, the key to them is really just getting Oregon into those uh, third and medium, third and uh, long situations where, you know the you know the pass is going to come, but you know in the third and second, I mean a third and two, third and one situation, any you know anything could potentially happen, especially depending on what side of the field you're on or yard line or whatever the case may be, and that's when the Oregon usually converts, especially like kind of alluded to their fifth in the country and third down conversions. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's really how how you're going to have to slow down Oregon, but that's really been the key to them just getting in those uh, short yardage situations. And been able to convert on them. So early in the year, the Utes had problems uh, covering kickoffs, and they gave up a couple of touchdowns. Now they've had problems punting the ball. They've given up a couple of touchdowns, and we're really fortunate that there was a technical mistake made by Oregon State, or they would have given up a third one. How good is Oregon on special teams, and can they take advantage of the Utes in that portion of the game? Yeah, I mean, uh, Oregon had a 63-yard punt re- I mean, kickoff return last week, so they really uh, set up a touchdown, too, late on in the game, too, and really uh, turned things around. So, I mean, it's been hit or miss, uh, per se, uh, to be honest with you. And, you know, Seven McGee has done some good things there in the return game, uh, too, as well. Uh, I know Mikael Wright ended up uh, end up having that long game, too, as well as kickoff return last week. But, yeah, I definitely think – it's something that uh, Oregon might be able to take advantage of, but uh, it's been hit or miss at times. It hasn't been necessarily uh, too consistent there, but they do have some playmakers that could get some potential long games too as well if you're not careful. Antoine Staley joining us, Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Eugene Register Guard. Early in the year, there were a lot of one-score games. Uh, they beat Fresno by a touchdown, beat Ohio State by a touchdown, did lose to Stanford in OT, beat Cal by a TD, beat UCLA by a field goal. The last three weeks, though, all the wins have been double digits. Have Has Oregon improved and turned a corner here, or is it just the fact that Colorado isn't very good and Washington and Washington State are changing coaches and in turmoil, so that doesn't really mean anything? Well, I think, yes. I think it's a combination of it all. Like, I think... I think Washington State's a better team than obviously Colorado and Washington. So, and to have the situation that they've had and still been able to be competitive, I think they're saying a lot too, especially with a team that it can get turnovers the way the Cougars have this year. And they got some off of Oregon too, as well. But, you know, Washington's not necessarily a really good team, although it was like a really spirited rivalry game that, you know, that Oregon got off to a really bad start in that, but they would overcome that. 
And then obviously Colorado is not necessarily very good either. But, you know, you got to give credit to where credit's due. Oregon took care of business and did exactly what they were supposed to do. Uh, they played some nail biters too as well. Uh, like you say, you talked about the UCLA game, uh, Cal game. They didn't necessarily uh, play particularly well, but they at home, but they were to overcome that. So they this team this team has played just about every kind of a game there is to play, and I think this weekend, uh, last road game, true road game of the year against Utah, probably a precursor of the Pac-12 championship in a couple of weeks too as well. But I definitely think that. It's going to be a nail, another nail biter, especially on the road. But you know, it, it really could go either way. I like I said, I'm about fifty fifty on how this game is going to go in particular. Yeah, you and the Vegas odds makers, right? You know, you know, different than them. <laughs> Utah gets three points for being at home. Well, I'll just make Utah a three point favorite then. Uh, last thing yeah. before we let you go, everyone here is curious. It's a five or six hour drive, depending on where you live here, to Las Vegas. And there will be a if, if the Utes are there, there will be a huge turnout for the title game. How well will Oregon travel for something like that when people might be saving their money for playoff games? Vegas is so a 15, 16 hour drive, where, depending on where you're coming from in Oregon. And then, you know, there's flights, but there's a limit to how many people can move on planes. How, how well will Oregon travel to Vegas? Well, I, I can already tell you a lot of people have already booked their flights and hotels. <laughs> already um, there in Oregon. So it's, it's going to be a good amount of people from Oregon, too, as well. So I don't, like I guess I don't know necessarily the numbers, but just from people I've talked to online and just out in the street, then people have been preparing for this for quite a while. Uh, so, yeah, I imagine it'll be a ton of Utah people. It'll be a ton of Oregon people, especially out in Vegas. I mean, you don't need a you don't need any excuse really to go to Vegas. I mean, so but <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, that's, wait, that's, yeah. watch a football game on a Friday night. That, that's a pretty damn good one, though. <laughs> well, that's why the conference moved the basketball tournament there, and that's why they moved the football championship game there. All right, exactly. Antoine, we we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. All right, thank you, guys. Antoine Staley covers the Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Eugene Register Guard. 20,000 Oregon fans, 30,000 Ute fans, 50,000 there. That, that looked good on TV. All right, I would D- say more than 50,000. That's what I'm going to guess. Really? It'll t- so if I give you 50, you take the over in Vegas parlance. I probably wouldn't if you forced me to bet, but I'm hoping. Oh, okay. All right. I think 20,000 people coming down from Oregon, it's, it's a lot easier to get there from Utah than it is to get there from Oregon. So if 20,000 show up, I would consider that a strong showing by the Ducks, especially because they're hoping to travel for, uh, for playoff games, too. So Yep. That's a, that's a lot of money and a lot of time off, and, uh, but their fan base is, is way into it. They've been winning for a while, and everybody loves a winner. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, your feedback next. Stay with us.